listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. I feel like we should have introed ourselves with our like high school screen names for this episode. I, was, I think we should sign off with our AOL screen names. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have to remember what mine is because we're talking about social media today. Everyone's favorite subject right now. We've had some interesting conversations about it in the lounge. There's been a lot of things happening recently that are making people rethink how they're using their social media. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, some of us have been a little uncertain about our relationship with it for a while now, but there's been a lot of stuff happening just in the last six months that has really made people go, hmm, like starting with, you know, late last summer, the release of The Social Dilemma, the Netflix documentary that really looked at, you know, the questionable ethics behind the algorithms that now govern our daily lives. I think a lot of people spending so much more time online during the pandemic, you know, started to question how big a part of our lives social media has become. And then, of course, January 2021, when Facebook, Twitter, Instagram all booted off Donald Trump, a sitting president of the United States, which led to a whole lot of questions about censorship and and free speech and whether these platforms have too much power and influence over both our lives and our politics. And then, you know, people moving to new sites like Parler and then Parler being the, you know, getting basically taken down, getting ganged up on by other media platforms. Anyway, it's just been a huge series of events that have had people going, maybe we should stop and think about social media and its place in our lives. And so that's what we want to do here today. (laughs) Yep. We're going to take some time to reflect on our own relationships with social media. And maybe this will help you think through your own relationship with social media, if it's a good one, if it's a bad one, if there are ways to make it healthier if there's things that you just hate about it and need a moment of of time to realize that there's things that you just don't really like about it. But also there's some really good things about it too, that especially over the last year, there's a lot of things that have been good. So we're going to go back to when it all started. I think I was trying to remember earlier when I first joined a social media and I was like, oh, it was Facebook in college. But then I realized, oh no, it was AOL and it was MySpace. Oh, oh way back MySpace. <laughs> I forget that MySpace existed, but that was a thing too way back in what, like grade school, I guess. And I don't know. I liked connecting with my friends and sharing (laughs) ridiculous stuff. Uh, Facebook likes to remind me, you know, every year of the really silly things that I would say back in like my freshman year of, of college that it just, I don't use it at all the same way that I used to. And I can't remember when I joined Instagram and Twitter, and I'm not sure if that's a bad thing or a good thing. They've just kind of like always existed in my social media life, even though I know I joined them at some point. (laughs) What about you guys? (laughs) I was a tremendously early adopter of social media, even even before MySpace. What? Um, What was before MySpace? Well, in high school, I participated in online forums oh irc chat like that was that was the thing before you know i mean aol and you know instant messenger it all sort of existed up until that point Mm -hmm. um but because i went to a concordia facebook actually did not was not available to us this is actually a funny story that i have to tell (laughs) it's ridiculous okay so I was a I was a freshman in college at Concordia in 2004. And at that point, Facebook was still only available to like Ivy League and and like state universities and stuff. The the pool was not yet open to everybody. But like as college age students, we all knew it was a thing and like our older siblings maybe in my specific instance, my sister was was able to be on it because she went to a state school. And so we all kind of knew what it was and we we really wanted it because it was so like enveloped in in mystery and just we really wanted it. Right. So one day we 
it comes about that there is somebody. Okay. Basically somebody made Concordia, Facebook.com. Like there's no way to like, (laughs) how did I not know about this? I don't, I don't. Well, so we, I was, this would have been sophomore year. This would have been early 2005. So you were not, I was not quite there yet. Right. No, 2006. So early sophomore year, we see Concordia, Facebook.com. And it's all, it is, Concordia Chicago students only. It's basically Facebook hijacked by Lutherans. Like it was (laughs) ridiculous. (laughs) It operated in the same way. And believe it or not, believe it or not, even we never, we never knew who did it because it became, it was basically a moot point because I think in September of 2005, that's when sort of the, the pool was open to all schools. This was not at the point where, Mark Zuckerberg was getting, you know, ad money and basically anybody could join Facebook. That was this was sort of the the phase two of expanding. So I remember the first day that Facebook was available, I created an account like everybody did. Like that was the thing. So 2005 been using it ever since. Well, not ever since, but I (laughs) (laughs) for maybe the last 15 years of my life now was a very heavy user of social media tended to evolve over the years and now I'm almost completely off it entirely for me I think all like the the instances that Rachel sort of prefaced this whole show with I think is really what did it for me in terms of like how far how how far we had come in 2020 the influence of covid and like the 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 health crisis and sort of all of the politics and like tensions in america and we had a very very contentious election season a lot of unrest like 2020 was terrible in a lot of respects and we say that i say that kind of without thinking about it but if you actually sit down and think about it there were so many things in 2020 that happened that I could credit all to leading up to this point where I was like, I'm done. I can't, I can't do it anymore. It used to be tremendously fun for me. It was, it was an opportunity for me to be funny and make people laugh and like connect with individuals and just have somewhat constructive conversations with people. But it just, it became too much for me. And so I'm now only on Instagram but I think that's because it's far, it's a far more one-sided, less interactive sort of experience, at least the way that I'm using it, because it's just, it just got exhausting for me. That's probably far more than you wanted to know about, but it was exhausting (laughs) for me, basically. Yeah, I kind of know what you're talking about. I was, I was not a super early adopt. Well, I mean, relatively, yes. I think I joined in 2006. I was through college. So I was like the last group, you know, similar to my vaccination status right now. You get it when everybody else has gotten (laughs) it. But I joined, started with Facebook, joined to catch up with all my college friends because, you know, we'd been out of college for a couple of years and we're starting to lose touch with each other, but had some really great lifelong friends from Concordia Ann Arbor. And then it's sort of beyond that, I wanted to share pictures of my kids with all their grandparents and great grandparents at once because, you know, granny was on Facebook (laughs) and it was a lot easier than emailing photos individually. So it was an efficient way to disseminate info to my closest 30 or now, you know, over a thousand friends. (laughs) Yep. And Over the years, I've had a love-hate, love-hate relationship with this. I've had two different jobs where I was, where social media was part of my job, including as an internet marketing manager, where it was pretty much my whole job. And so in that capacity, I got into a whole lot of different, different social networks. Twitter, I was on for many years. Instagram, Pinterest, Google Plus. Remember Google Plus? Oh, oh man, right. Tumblr. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that sort of shaped my relationship. And But there was a time when it was so exciting. Yeah. 
And I feel like mm-hmm. now I'm, and I say this as a person who is in, in a very good marriage with my husband, that I'm in a bad marriage with social media. <laughs> that like, yeah. we're staying together because of the kids, but, <laughs> and we're in the same space all the time. But it kind of annoys me more and more every day. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> the thrill is gone. The love is gone. Yep. We're just there. And yet I'm annoyed by the fact that I can't quit it and I can't cut back every time I try to cut back. It's like it it it's like the 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 ring in the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. The ring wants to be found. <laughs> you know? Yep. yep. <laughs> so if, I get twitchy if I don't know exactly where my phone is at all times. <laughs> yep. And I, but I think that's that's why the social dilemma, the the documentary, and if you haven't seen it yet, do watch it. If you still have a Netflix account, we don't, but we did when we watched it together as a as a family. But it made me feel like you're not crazy. It's not you. The network has been designed to prey upon your brain function and to claim your attention and to hook you. And so that was really actually liberating for me to realize, okay, it's not just because you're a weak-willed person that you're having these struggles that Mm -hmm. you are checking Facebook 10, 20, 30, 40 times a day and getting zero joy or delight out of it, like 39 and a half out of those 40 times. (laughs) (laughs) That half time she saw me post something. Yeah. Yeah. And now Bree's gone and it's like, not even that anymore. (laughs) No, the the halftime now it's, it's Aaron's got a a new hat or something. (laughs) Aaron goes live eating pickled okra. Watching the street cleaner. (laughs) So yeah, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm still on, although I'm only on Facebook and Instagram now. I, I did quit Twitter and Pinterest. Twitter was hard to quit at first. And then I was just so liberated. I was like, ah, I don't yes, miss it. That's I'm a not great going back. It. It's fine. Pinterest, I got bored with after a while. Sorry, any Pinterest <laughs> Get it, people bored. out there. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, yes. <laughs> so, but that's my experience. I know, Erin, you have a slightly different relationship to social media than, than yeah, I do. I had a different journey than all of you guys. So one, I joined the latest. I joined, I looked it up here while we were talking in 2007. Hmm. And I joined reluctantly for work because at that time I was doing recruitment for the long-term missionary volunteer sort of role, not career missionaries. And we were recruiting heavily from universities. So I observed it seemed like maybe that would be a way to connect with students outside of when I would actually be visiting on campuses uh, so that I could sort of do a little follow-up afterwards, let people know when I would be coming. So I did it for, for work. In 2010 or so is probably when I started shifting more to using it personally, mainly because my job shifted as well so that I was not doing recruitment myself at that point. And so I didn't need to use it for that focus. And I started using it more for just personal interaction. At this point, I use it really for, for personal interaction. I don't use it for work. I think it was like last year when I learned that Pinterest was actually supposed to be a social media site. I have no idea how Pinterest is supposed to be social. I never understood that. I u- I've used Pinterest. I use it as a handy place for me to collect. Like I don't use it now because it started getting too obnoxious, but I don't remember why, but I, I lost interest in, in Pinterest. But I never understood how it could be social. I have Instagram. That one I did try initially again for work. I was like, maybe there's an opportunity here for, so I tried using it. I still don't really understand how Instagram works. I use it and periodically I'll be like, I'll try this feature and and test it out. <laughs> so I, I don't have as much of a hate relationship either with social media as as the three of you guys do. So from the very beginning, when I finally upgraded and got an actual smartphone, very quickly, I was like, whoa, I hate all of these notifications. So I do not get notified when anyone does anything on any apps. 
<laughs> Except like my, I get a text message. Those will actually come through and notify me. A phone call will notify me. Aside from that, uh, alarms that I set. So yeah, I'll get those. Nothing else will notify me. I don't. I don't even see the little dot saying there's oh, activity or anything on it. Mm-hmm. So I actually have to go into the app to see it. And you do get the nice little little rush when you're like, ooh, somebody commented on my post. Oh, so exciting. Yep. But I also, I don't do a good job and I don't enjoy it. And those are probably related, uh, one feeding the other and the, uh, you know, feeding off of each other. But I don't really enjoy talking with strangers on Facebook. So I tried occasionally. I would like, oh, this. I maybe I have an opinion of this. I try it, and then I'm like, oh, now I remember. I hate doing this, um, and so I just don't. I don't like commenting on public posts and and stories and engaging with strangers. I don't like doing that, even with like you know a page that I enjoy. I don't. I don't comment on their posts. I might like your post, but I don't. I don't engage in conversations with strangers periodically i do a big purge of yeah. people that i friend one i debate long and hard whether i should actually accept a friend request if i do not if we are not actually friends in real life i'm going to really debate hard if i should actually accept that friend request because yep. she almost didn't accept you. my friend request remember that I know, Man. but I mean, there'll be other people, like people like at work who friend me, and I'm like, oh, we're not really friends. So do I? Then it's weird. I'm not friends. <laughs> I'm not friends with the person with the person I work with who reports to me. And I I told her when we started working together, I was like, if you would like to be friends on Facebook, that's fine. If you send me a friend request, I will I will accept it, and we can do that. But that'll be up to you (laughs) because like that's your personal life right and for some people I think it does bleed through a lot more of their their relationships and interactions so yeah periodically I will accept friend requests from people I'm like oh we've maybe interacted a couple times in the lounge maybe a couple of you have friended me and I've accepted it but we haven't actually ever met and we don't actually interact there's a good chance that at some point you're going to discover that I'm not friends with you because I did a purge and <laughs> removed everyone that I don't actually know. So in my case, I use it to share pictures of my life and I do a live stream of me when the street cleaner comes through. It's so good. That's, my, that's my <laughs> life right now. And so... <laughs> I have no interest in using it for for politics, and I don't enjoy engaging in discussions in that platform. I think we've credited Cheryl Magnus with this a couple times, but really, what is it? Puppies and babies? Yeah, puppies and babies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of my Facebook sort of thing. It's the fluffy, light stuff. It's I, I don't bear my soul on Facebook. Yeah, a lot of my usage over the years has been for work. And so my usage increased dramatically when I was an advocate for Trek Bicycle because part of that advocacy was I had to post about bikes a certain number of times per month. And so I was like, ooh, I have to do this. So I'm just going to post all the time about all this stuff. And then when I stopped doing that last year, I realized how much of my time every day was like, what what moment of my day am I going to post on social media today? Because I have to post something every day. And it became this thing and I didn't even realize it had become this thing for me. And so that's one thing I've been trying to back off a little bit of like not worrying so much about which part of my life every day I'm going to post on social because nobody cares. Like it's not that big of a deal, right? But when I started realizing that I was doing that, I started doing a lot more of following pages that I like and getting involved more in groups because I'm trying to curate this experience on my own pages, which maybe I'm just like falling prey to what people are <laughs> trying to get me to do, but trying to to curate better relationships and having more positive content on my feed. I have a very, very strict no politics rule. And every time I break that rule, I bad things happen. <laughs> the last time it happened, I had this like huge identity <laughs> crisis and I had to like ask you guys to walk me off the ledge because it was really bad. I remember that. That was was, a rough day. It was a very rough day. And that is why I have a strict no politics rule because bad things happen. So so finding those boundaries has been very important over the last 
several years. And I've thought about leaving, but I do it for work too. So maybe that's just my excuse of like, I do it for work, so I can't leave. Womp womp. I don't know. (laughs) I mentioned earlier that there are things that are positives about social media. It's not all evil, maybe. So I love- (laughs) You sound convinced. I mean, maybe, I don't know. It probably depends who you ask. There's a lot of opinions about this, but there are some positives. And I think we've seen a lot of positives over the last year with the, the pandemic of relying on the internet and these social media out, outlets to connect more just because we've kind of had to, sadly, for better or worse. I mean, connecting with people, that's kind of like the obvious one of the benefit across the board, probably for most people who use social. It's a great way to connect with people. If there's friends that you haven't seen in ages or you live really far apart from people, being able to have that that instant connection with people and being able to follow what's happening in other people's lives without constantly having to like be on the phone with them is really nice. You can kind of just like pick up relationships wherever you left them off last because you can just kind of keep track of people, which is probably kind of creepy too. But like when I... <laughs> go somewhere and meet someone I haven't seen in a long time. And they're like, oh, how's the house going? And I'm like, I haven't talked with you about that at all. And you know exactly what's happening in my life. Maybe I need to scale back my social a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's nice to have that those those connections with people that kind of bleed through the, the virtual life and the in-person life that it's easier to, to keep track of people. I've been following a lot more pages. I'm a huge history nut. Oh so I've I've started following all of these like World War II pages and the Holocaust Museum and a Mighty Girl for Women's History. And so a lot of my feed now is is all of these educational resources, which is super fun. So I can like stop and read some fun thing and it doesn't make me mad and there's no drama and it's great. <laughs> but it takes some effort to get to that point too and and some conscious intentionality of like I want to see this stuff on my feed, so I'm going to like and interact with these pages so they show up more often. But that's really fun. And the chronic illness communities on Facebook have been like crucial in the last three or four years of dealing with diagnosis and, and just like learning about these rare, unusual things that not a lot of people have. And doctors don't always do a great job of explaining them to you. So finding these communities on social media to be able to to support each other has been yeah. huge for me and I know huge for the thousands of other people that are in these groups. I don't know how I would have done that without social, quite honestly, finding answers and, and finding ways to just move through all of this really unknown stuff. So that has actually been a huge positive in my life in the last several years. We shouldn't neglect to mention that our Lutheran Ladies Lounge discussion group has, I mm. think, been a real bright spot in social media for all of us over the last year and a half. I think my mother (laughs) gave me the wonderful quote. She said, this is, this is the kind of fellowship. That's the reason I got on Facebook in the first place. Mm. It just took a long time to actually find. (laughs) (laughs) And so I really, I'm grateful for that community, especially, which is a, you know, a ray of sunshine. So one of the things that I do miss that I do get on Instagram is people using common shared experiences to be funny. Like I get and they like with memes and stuff. So like I love knowing basically that there are other people in the world who see things the way that I do or try to see things the way that I do. I just think it's I just think it's really funny. Therapy memes group. Gen Gen Z and millennials are really good at that. (laughs) And I just think it's great. Okay, so when I joined Facebook, it was so my mother and mother-in-law could see pictures of my kids. Now I love seeing pictures of my nieces and nephews. I feel like the tables have totally turned there. Um, So, and those are those are moments of interacting vicariously, of course, with their lives that I otherwise would not get access to. So I I love that puppies and babies. And I move around a lot and always have. And I do really still love the opportunity to keep in some manner of being in touch with all the people I've loved and left. (laughs) That sounds Mm -hmm. awful. (laughs) And that may be why I I have such a complicated relationship with Facebook is that I have a whole lot of people that are from different chapters in my life scattered back. 
through time and relationships that otherwise might have just completely faded away are still an active part of my everyday life. Mm. And new friendships. I think neighborhood groups are awesome. Church groups are awesome. The opportunity to really, you know, put out public service information in a place where people can get it. It's still got its uses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I love that shot of dopamine that I get when somebody affirms me on social media. Yep. It's a problem. I, yep. It's a drug. Mm-hmm. I think part of my reason for leaving, I think, is that was very much an addiction for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, For me, leaving Facebook and Twitter and just never looking back, there is, there's like a detox period that you have to go through. But it is so, I think, Rachel, you said it was so liberating to feel that far removed from it and knowing that you don't need to get your affirmation from a mouse click. It is tremendously freeing and tremendously liberating to know that my worth is not in that. Yeah, I briefly had that experience two years ago for the the two or three months between when I signed off as the Lutheran Witness Editor and we started this wonderful project. I was completely off Facebook. And by the way, Facebook will send you emails like daily if you log off and don't log back on for a while. They will stalk you. Of course they do. Um, (laughs) Hey, you missed this. We're not going to tell you what it is, but don't you want to click and see? I don't get those. Maybe they don't want me back and I'm okay with it. I don't know. Maybe maybe they decided it was a little too much. But yeah, it's an interesting feeling to leave a social media yep. site that you go through a grieving process. But then if it was a good thing in your life, maybe that grief is justified. And if it wasn't, then you're free. <laughs> I have a friend that I rediscovered on Facebook who was a friend of mine in elementary school. So like you, Rachel, I've moved around a lot and... Not a lot of those relationships traveled with me once I had left because there was, before social media, not an easy way to keep up with them. So unless you were just really great friends that you were going to call each other on the regular or write letters, (laughs) you just didn't (laughs) carry on. It was like, if you see each other again, great, it's nice. And so Facebook does provide that opportunity to see that person again. So I have a friend from elementary school and... A couple of friends from high school that are Facebook friends, a couple of friends from college that are still there. And for the most part, that's not how I do my friendships anyway. I'm not living out most of my friendship life with them. It's the things that you would chat about if you happen to run into each other. Oh, hey, what's going on? Again, it's not the deep, Mm -hmm. dark, bury your soul sort of interactions. (laughs) It's the... Here's a cool picture of this mad bomber hat that I'm wearing. And <laughs> chuckle I will, about that. I will um, say this, because when you say barrier, you know, you don't have those deep barrier soul moments. I will say the one thing that I love about social media is when they started showing you your posts from six, ten years ago. Like mm-hmm. I would say anything. From like 2006 to 2013, that was a dark time for me for whatever reason. And I'm now able to like pick up patterns and stuff and things that I said that knowing now being able to look back at it, A, I can be proud of how far I've come and B, I can be like, oh, why didn't I see that coming? But I think that's that's another thing too is you're, you're able to sort of track your growth over time. Mm. And that can be a tremendously helpful tool as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I keep getting reminded about that same time period, actually, of how much I was just complaining about life. And like all of my posts are just like, I'm so (laughs) sick. I can't wait for this to happen. I don't want to do my homework. Like that's all of my posts from that time. Like what am I? (laughs) I don't use it like that anymore at all. And it's almost like, Sarah, like what? Why? No one wants to slap yourself in the face with a live trout. Like, yes, (laughs) time travel. Okay, I have a very different experience with that because I was already a vicar's wife when I joined social media. So I have never had a post where I was not a ministry wife and or a public relations professional and or knowing that my grandmother, who is now with the Lord, was reading all my posts. So I've always been very, very careful 
mm-hmm. in what I put up there. So you do not see my true self on social media. You see a highly curated, perhaps slightly sanitized version of, of me that shows what I'm willing for you thousand plus people to see. And honestly, the more friends I get, the less I post because the harder time I have coming up with something that they all will enjoy and deserve to see. Yep. And so I post very little now. (laughs) There's a reason most of my posts are my bike rides. (laughs) (laughs) Bikes, coffee, church. That's pretty close. That's you in a nutshell. Yep. And chronic illness stuff, but that's more for like <laughs> reassurance for other people who also struggle Hashtag with things. Hashtag warrior. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you have a point that when you're using it and you are understanding that you have certain vocations in life where people are going to read your posts and think of you in a certain way when they read your posts, that really changes how you use it. Once I started having a real adult job, especially when I came to St. Louis, and I'm now a representative of our synodical church body, it's like, you might want to think about what you're posting because people are going to read that and and also attribute it to like the entire organization that you work for, <laughs> which is a lot of things to think about. And mm-hmm. therefore, you just kind of maybe use it less. So, mm-hmm. So there's some good stuff about this. There's also bad things. I think it's probably easier to think about the bad stuff, maybe, uh, since that's kind of what inspired this episode in the first place. I think the the biggest downside that I find uh, is that it's just so constant. It's always there. It's always in the back of my mind. And I am super susceptible to FOMO. Like, I don't want to miss out on anything. Mm. I hate not knowing what's going on. Uh, And maybe that's because I'm by myself a lot of the time, especially now, by myself a lot of the time. And I'm like, I need to know what's happening with other people. But it's like always in the back of my mind. And the fact that you kind of know, like we're all admitting that we're not putting our true selves on social media Mm -hmm. for a very good reason. But you know Mm -hmm. that everybody, like everything that you're looking at from other people is also only a snippet of their true self. So It's like a weird reality. You're right, but it just struck me. I don't think that it's necessarily not our true selves. No, it's a snippet. Exactly. Like, it is part of you. It's not your whole self, but nobody does that anywhere. Like, you go to work, you're not living your whole self out at the office when you're interacting with your colleagues. Unless you're not on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but same on social media. Like, it's that's always true. We are always giving people a curated experience of who we are. The only one who gets the whole thing is God. Uh, The rest of it, it's always a part of it. And that's okay. But I think what we often fall into the trap is thinking that we do have a better understanding of the whole person by the little piece that we're seeing. And Uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you say that because I think it cuts both ways. So, like, one of the problems that I started to have that I was really like, "Eh, do I really want so many friends is like. Seeing coworkers say stuff or like stuff that I'm like, I wish I didn't know that you liked that or I wish I didn't <laughs> know you believed that or what, like whatever the issue might be, like just getting disenfranchised by people believing or liking things that doesn't either doesn't suit them or it's just disappointing or so no, like in that case, I need to realize that that's that friend or that coworker or that person you go to church with may feels one way about a certain issue and you disagree on that but that's not all who they are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's also hard when you have lots of different people from different places in your life all in your friends list so when you post something maybe it's from it's obviously from your own worldview and there are certain people on your friends list who will understand that and know where you're coming from and then there's a different group of people who aren't going to understand where you're coming from or everybody that comments isn't going to understand where everyone else is coming from. And so then you get this big giant mess of people Ugh. that are just talking past each other. And, it and it's, it's isolating, isn't it? It's yes. so isolating. Ugh. Yeah. I used to think of social media as just like this invisible chain of people holding hands 
which is a very romanticized view, but it helped me. <laughs> but now it seems like more and more it's just people yelling, not yeah. even yelling at each other, just yelling. Yep. Just yelling. And that that that's a change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep. And it depends on what you're following and who you're following and who your friends are and what your friends decide to post too, because that's the stuff that shows up on your feed. Yeah. So it's this weird ecosystem. People that um, you would never see together at a wedding reception yep. are suddenly all interacting in the same online space. Yeah. And not everyone has the skill set of gracious online communication. And so even if you mean well, right, <laughs> it may yep. not come off that way. <laughs> yeah. For me, though, one of my, my biggest concerns is the question of what heavy social media use does to my attention span. Mm-hmm. Y'all know mm-hmm. I'm an English major. And that means that up until, up until, you know, a certain point in my life, I was reading lots and lots of long, complicated literary works on a regular basis and able to digest them. I think for me, a wake up call social media wise was when I got to the point where after a number of years using it professionally and personally, like all the time, I found I couldn't read like three pages in a book Hmm. without having to stop and take a Facebook break. Yep. And that was really concerning because I love books. And if I can't read a book anymore because my brain doesn't work that way. So I've been really, really, I mean, just like, just like someone who realizes, oh man, I'm out of shape. I need to get back in shape. It takes an intentional effort to rebuild that attention span. And I think the Lutheran Ladies Book Club and other sort of reading ventures I've been part of have been really helpful in redeveloping that attention span stamina but the fact that I could have gotten so bad without realizing it, that continues to be a concern of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love, if I may, to share just a line of poetry that hit me. It actually made me cry. I was reading T.S. Eliot's poem. I read poems again now, guys. It's amazing. <laughs> Progress. Um, <laughs> his poem, Ash Wednesday. And in the fifth canto, he writes, where shall the word be found? Where will the word resound? Not here. There is not enough silence. And he goes on after that. But just that, what, what an indictment. Yeah. Not here. There's not enough silence. Mm -hmm. And not just silence in terms of not speaking, but silence in terms of your mind being clear. And that I think more than anything is what concerns me about my own heavy social media use. When is my mind silent? Anyway. (laughs) It's like we've forgotten how to be bored because we always have this device that can always entertain us constantly. And so there's no reason to be bored because we can just mindlessly scroll through the phone. But then I realized, I don't know when, I was bored scrolling through social media. Like I was, (laughs) I was I was bored being bored like that. Mm -hmm. That isn't a good thing. (laughs) And like that needs a little bit of of separation and rediscovering audiobooks thanks to the book club. Yep. (laughs) uh, Like social media has done some good things. Having this book club and discovering audiobooks and the fact that I actually really enjoy listening to things and I can digest things easier when I listen to them. I've spent a lot less time on social media in my spare time because I now have books and podcasts and I go outside and I listen to things and, and I let my mind think through things and be creative. And it's it's kind of opened up this this new way of being creative in my mind, which has been fantastic. So thanks, nice. Rachel, for the book club. <laughs> you are so welcome. So we've talked a little bit about whether or not we've quit social media. And we all know that Brie is not on really on Facebook and Twitter anymore. Uses. I have considered leaving social media several times. I think I may use the fact that it's for my job as an excuse that I'm just like, nah, I need it for work. So I just won't even think about leaving it because I need to be here anyway. So there's my excuse. But recently, more recently, I have started thinking about what that would actually look like if I use it for work and don't use it as much in my personal life if that would even be a thing. And so I'm I'm in this kind of weird space now of thinking about what that would actually look like and what would be those things that are standing in my way of being comfortable 
leaving social media. And I think one of those things for me is the fact that a lot of my friends don't live near me and I need this sense of community. And like when I do things, I do a lot of stuff by myself because, you know, my husband goes and often works at his job in person and I work at home. And so a lot of the things that I do for fun, I do by myself and it's not nearly as fun to do things by yourself. It's way more fun to have other people enjoy it with you. So part of my social media use is doing something fun and then posting about it and having other people have this joy with me of the thing that I just did. Maybe I could do that with real people in person if I weren't so much on social. So maybe I should think about, yeah. you know, doing things in person. I mean, that's hard during a pandemic. Uh, maybe but- after the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. But like, maybe that's actually a crutch and I need to actually step away from sharing so much on it on social about that and actually inviting people to come with me and do things, which is really hard when I'm socially awkward and I'm bad at asking people to come do things. You just with do me. it with other people who are just as bad as you are. Yes. And I'm, I am getting more comfortable with that because I'm understanding this mindset I have now of like, I'm using this as my crutch because I'm so scared of talking to people in person. <laughs> But I, I I enjoy it. And maybe that's not as good of a thing as I think. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I don't have a problem. It's fine. But maybe it is actually a problem. And maybe I should actually be looking at it as, as something that I, if I step away from it, my life isn't going to be like this terrible thing. It's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe something, and I've toyed with this periodically, And it might end up being something that I do actually move ahead with, but the idea of boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, you use it for your job and it's not all bad. If it's not something where you can tell, like Brie, you could tell that this was a toxic situation for you. It was bad Mm -hmm. for your mental health. It was bad on a number of levels. So, okay. But if it's, if it's, not to that extreme, then maybe the step is to go with with boundaries and to say, okay, well, what I need to do is can I actually be disciplined with I do not use it at these times and like hard, hard stop and limit yourself. Or maybe instead it's I only use it during these times as opposed to you have a few times when you don't use it instead have that be the norm And so you check in with it in these windows. I mean, during the pandemic, it has been really nice. That has been a nice way to be able to still actually see faces of people that I know and be able to, you know, interact with them on some level. It is not as satisfying. And I do sort of wonder, like, as we start coming out of the pandemic, may that day come soon. Oh, um, yes. (laughs) Like, what sort of habits are we going to take out of it, mm-hmm. though? So if yep. we have, mm-hmm. if this has become sort of the norm, how how easy is it going to be to sort of switch gears? And so maybe it would be worth it to start, this is what I'm thinking for myself, maybe it would be something I'd want to consider thinking about making some intentional changes in how I interact with things or the time I spend with the app on my phone before the pandemic wraps up completely so that it is easier to get back into those in-person interactions, like you were saying, Sarah, and seek those opportunities out and do the analog hobbies. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I do find that I will sometimes, if I'm watching, like I'm unwinding at the end of the day, I'm watching a TV show or something. And if the TV show is not super interesting, then I'll find myself like scrolling through Facebook while I'm watching the TV show. What I have recently found that is I feel much better about my choice when I do this is if it's basically it's like the TV show is not enough to hold my attention completely. I should knit. Mm -hmm. So I knit while I watch the TV show that has then occupied like the knitting is occupies enough of my brain and the TV show can occupy the other part of my brain. And then I'm not just scrolling through Facebook. And like you said, just bored doing both of them. Uh, then I at least feel like, okay, I can enjoy watching another episode of Monk while yes. I sit <laughs> and it's a happy, Monk. happy evening for me. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you on the boundaries, and I've found. I mean, I still have what I would consider a very unhealthy relationship with social media that I need to work on. But I've taken some baby steps just in the last few months that have really made a positive difference. One line from the Social Dilemma documentary that really stuck out to me was the guy asked, do, so do you check Facebook before you go to the bathroom in the morning or while you go to the bathroom in the morning? And I was like, oh, dude, were you in my house? Like, <laughs> that was a wake up call for me. And I was like, you know what? This I can do. I do not check Facebook in bed or until I have walked the dog, brewed my morning coffee, and I'm sitting down in an upright position that is not on a toilet seat. Then I will check Facebook. <laughs> but I was like, Facebook, you have no right to follow me into the bathroom. <laughs> and so that I started doing for my tech-obsessed kids. They have zero inclination to be on social media. I guess they've just seen me there and they don't want to, they just don't want to go there, but they are tech obsessed in other ways. I've started introducing during our homeschool day, what I call sanctuary hours, where I will unplug our modem for like five hours a day Nice. and we'll say, okay, yeah, I understand that you need the internet to watch a lecture or write a paper or do some research or whatever. You can do that after sanctuary hours end. For this period of time, we are going to focus on analog work and do it without the tyranny of the internet, mm -hmm. always, always asking for our attention. So yeah, I call those sanctuary hours. The other thing, and I did this by accident, but I'm so happy I did. On my phone, I don't, I don't use the Facebook app on my phone. I downloaded it once. It annoyed me like crazy. So now I only access Facebook through my internet browser, mm -hmm. which saves on a lot of notifications. But somehow I accidentally bookmarked my notification page in Facebook. Huh. And so that's what I go to. And so I do, I'm not plunked down on the main feed. I'm plunked nice. down just on the, the relevant updates. And I can look at it and go, oh, there's nothing new here since the last time I checked 23 minutes ago. I guess I can go now. <laughs> and so rather than getting sucked into the vortex of new, new posts and, and such, I have at least a fighting chance of getting out with my attentiveness intact. <laughs> so those are those are a few positive changes that have helped me set a few boundaries. I've got a long way still to go. Yeah. I would love to think that I could have a healthy relationship with this medium at some point, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, and I want to be clear. Like this is my own I hate the I hate the phrase personal journey or personal <laughs> truth. Like like <laughs> My attitude and the actions that I've taken in my relationship with social media is by no means an indictment on anybody else who logs in and uses Facebook however they they do. And I guess my my advice would be if you sense that there's a problem, there probably is. Listen if to your you, gut. If, yeah. if you use Facebook and you're having no issues and you're not experiencing any problems that might pertain to over usage or whatever maybe that's this is this is not a part of your life that you need to assess i think sarah, everybody's different mm -hmm. sarah you used the magic word a couple of minutes ago you said i really enjoy it yeah and i thought well there there's a sign that you have a healthy relationship if it still is enjoyable if it ceases to bring you joy if it ceases to fill your life with anything meaningful and you keep being drawn back to it even so, then maybe you have a problem. Yeah. It's interesting that a lot of us keep bringing up boundaries. That's what I have as one of my my pieces of advice is those boundaries. I don't exactly, I don't have mine as, as maybe clear cut as some of you do, but I'm starting to understand what my boundaries are, especially with how I post and what I post and what I choose to comment on. And that's one of my biggest things for people who are using social media and who do, you know, scroll and find things that are interesting. You don't have to comment on everything because once you comment on something, it's going to keep showing up. You're going to keep getting those notifications. Unless you tell it you don't want to get notifications. Unless you tell it anymore. you don't want to get notifications. <laughs> but Facebook will also show you that content or content that's related to that. So if it's, if you True. don't interact with things, they won't show up. So on the positive side of that, interact with the stuff that you actually want to see. 
So finding your tribe of people on social, if you're going to stay on social and you want a healthier relationship with the social that you are consuming, find your group of people, find those pages that you really like, the friends that you actually want to interact with and interact with those things. Those are the things that will keep showing up because the magical algorithm or whatever. If you interact with Ladies Lounge posts a whole bunch, you're going to see a lot of them in your feed. And that maybe is a girly great thing. Do it. Every year the Winter Olympics come around, I discover my love of biathlon. I know it's like (laughs) biathlon and curling are my two like random super favorite winter sports. So I started liking all of these biathlon posts recently and now it's showing up all over my Insta feed and it's fantastic. (laughs) Like. But finding those those things that you actually enjoy <laughs> that aren't drama and trying to use more of those things in your feed can can really help just kind of take the stress and the drama away of of all of the toxicity and things that that can come up if if you're getting posts that you don't really like. So if you want to stay there, fine. But there are ways to kind of make it a more pleasant experience for yourself. And if you're enjoying it and it's not just like mindless scrolling, you're actually having fun with it. You might actually mindless scroll less because you're not getting sucked into the drama. You're there for the stuff you want to actually want to see. And when it runs out, you're like, okay, that's, that's all I want to look at. I promise you social media is not going to solve the world's problems. You are not going to solve the world's problems on social media. No one ever said, I thought this about this issue, but then someone argued with me on social media and man, I totally see their point of view now. Mm-hmm. Like that happens in real life conversations to me all the time. I can't say, I mean, I don't argue a whole lot, but you know, real life conversations, people share their point of view and it changes the way I see the world. I can't say that happens on Facebook right? with anywhere near as much regularity. And if there's a post with a hundred comments on it already, adding your hundred and first comment to it <laughs> probably isn't going to do anything. So maybe you just keep scrolling past that one and let it let it rest for a little while. while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to wrap up this conversation about all of the the good stuff, the bad stuff, how we have a healthy relationship, the fact that the Lutheran Ladies Lounge literally exists on social media (laughs) and we're not planning on going anywhere nope not not going anywhere among all of these conversations we love this group that has just exponentially grown beyond anything that we ever imagined that it would be and it has been a real positive place for people the connections that have been made the the magic of the lutheran ladies lounge has happened several times where someone asks the question of like I'm looking for my first grade teacher and this was her maiden name, but now she's married and I don't know her last name and I'm not sure where she lives. Can anyone help? And they find her like, it's crazy. This community and all of these people, it just like makes the Lutheran world super tiny in a really good way. And it it has been a a great place for uplifting comments and and conversation and those and, and a place of learning too. But we also understand that Facebook isn't for everybody. So In our imaginations, what are some ways that our Lutheran ladies group can exist maybe in different places in the virtual world? Well, I agree that you say Facebook isn't for everyone. Yeah. And Facebook isn't forever. None of this stuff (laughs) is going to last forever. And I, I think we as a church community would be kind of lacking in foresight if we've ever kept all of our eggs in one basket that is controlled out of Silicon Valley in California. <laughs> that this is not, we, we need to distinguish between our relationships online and their real world counterparts, not that online relationships don't count. But to realize that you could pull the plug and it could all be gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And where else are we going to be? Of course, I'm a huge fan of print media, which I know is not as cost effective as a Facebook group. But (laughs) I mean, print magazines, print newsletters, print books, these are all things that that I love and would love to see, you know, some sort of, I don't know, collaborative effort that created some project like that, that we could all share and enjoy. And even things like e-newsletters. I like e-newsletters. I have a couple that I subscribe to that I really enjoy and get a lot out of. They don't ask as much of me once I read them, they're done. I still engage with the blogosphere. I recently downloaded myself an old reader app. I was at such a huge blogger back in the day, you guys. Like (laughs) 
Zanga account. You were a blogger? I was a blogger. I still have a blog. I might revive it one of these days. Uh Um, Watch for that. It's going to come as soon as I free up some attention (laughs) from my other social media. (laughs) But, you know, these old school forms of communication, you know, broadcast media, the the blogs, the e-newsletters, the magazines, all of that. I would love to see more space for those in our shared discourse. Pen pals. Um, pen pals. Pen pals. I want that for myself. Yeah. Letters are great. Yep. I love Or even mail. just like one-on-one email communications, just like finding someone in the community to talk to as like a confidant or to just share. Adopt a sister. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but really, I mean, the sky is the limit once you start thinking, okay, well, Facebook is great. Let's stay on Facebook, but let's diversify the ways in which we connect to one another. And it may be that something else is much more full of joy and delight than Mm -hmm. just this, Mm -hmm. this one thing. And I would love, love to see us play around with that. Honestly, yeah. When we've talked about, should we consider other social media platforms and things like that? And my heart shrivels within me when I contemplate (laughs) the mental and emotional energy that would be required for me to figure out. I still haven't figured out Instagram and it's it's not that hard. (laughs) Looking at something, like you said, not just how else could we do this in a way that's just like Facebook, but not on Facebook does not thrill me, but how could we add another level of engagement or interaction or just depth to what we're talking about and thinking about from a different way, not just trying to replicate what already exists. That's intriguing. And I don't know what that would look like. We've we've definitely brainstormed and thought about different things. And that could be fun to consider what what new ways could we interact as Lutheran ladies outside of social media what about in-person stuff wouldn't that be fun i I was just about to say in this last week just through a comment section in the lounge i discovered that i live like less than a mile away from somebody else that i don't know (laughs) like having having very like super super geographical little meetups at coffee shops would be so fun because how many of us live really close to all of these other lutheran Mm -hmm. women and we just not me but yeah Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Erin, that the thought of just simply taking what we have in Facebook and plunking it down into some competing social network with a slightly different audience, that is one thing that does not fire me up in the inside. I, you said your heart shriveled. My heart sank when I thought about that. Um, but I mean, I realize that there are women out there who really still enjoy social media, just not on Facebook and are looking at other options. Good for you. Do what you got to do. But I would say let's look at all of our crazy, wonderful options aside from social media. I think digital pen pals would be super duper fun. Just more ways to, to connect with other people. I think the last year has made us all realize, especially maybe introverts, how much we actually need other people and how important relationships are to our mental and physical and spiritual health, just to be connected to people and have those people actually care about us and care for each other. That is a very important thing. And ladies in the ladies lounge, we would love to hear your ideas about this. What would you like to see us do? How would you like to connect with your other Lutheran women outside of Facebook? Don't worry, we're not leaving Facebook. It's going to be okay. But what else can we do? How else can we curate these relationships and build these sisters in Christ up even more in different ways that don't involve social media? We'd love to hear it. Drop your comments with this post in the in the group on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook, as we've said, <laughs> in the Lutheran <laughs> Ladies Lounge group. <laughs> you can also find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah slash I'm pretty sure it was Seamal used just Picotta, if I remember right. Wow. <laughs> Virtue I'm... signaling in, in high school. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> 
I'm Erin. I didn't do any social media before Facebook, so I don't have <laughs> you that's a that surpass the character limit on that screen name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bree, aka basketball girl forty-three. And I'm Rachel, the artist formerly known as at Rapunzel Ann. Yes! <laughs> oh, screen names are the best. <laughs> Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at KFUO.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge.